What can an acupuncturist and spiritual guide teach nurses about healing, health, and living your best possible life? Let's talk all about it with Phoenix-based acupuncturist and spiritual healer, Leslie Huttert, right here on episode 264 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I'm so grateful you're here, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the virtual airways for months or for some of you, possibly even years. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you, your nursing career, and your life. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for the Nurse Keith Show? That's right. Head over to Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show when you rate and review it. And if you let me know by emailing me or shooting me a message on social media, I will thank you on air and read your review for all to hear. Now, if you head over there, you might see there are 36 reviews and at the moment 81 ratings with an average of 4.5 stars, but there's always room for more in the pool. So please join in the fun and One very nice person said, Nurse Keith shares relevant news and advice that benefits all nurses, no matter what your nursing specialty. I look forward to every episode. Isn't that sweet? So meanwhile, if you want to find the show notes for this episode, head on over to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 264. And today we're welcoming friend of the pod, Leslie Huttert. She's an acupuncturist and spiritual guide and healer living in Phoenix, Arizona area. Leslie, I want to jump right into it and ask you this leading question. So what can nurses understand about how to look at their lives and look at their work from a more spiritual or emotionally connected way where can they come from to learn those skills where do they go to learn those skills yes great question Keith thank you I like how you jump jump right in well (laughs) deep end you know I think one of the the things that really inspires me and I've worked with a lot of nurses over the years when I started my practice in Portland I was um, treated a lot of OHSU nurses the Oregon Health Sciences University so I got even deeper insight as well as having nurses in my family and I think that one of the places that nurses are really presented with an opportunity in your life and not just in your work is the nature of suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have an up close and personal, there's there's really not too many spiritual paths that don't deal heavily in some way with how do we really deal with the fact that we see that our human lives are are troublesome in many ways. There's lots of joys, but There's also a lot of pain. And so I think nurses are really gifted with an insider view on not just the nature and technical side of physical suffering, but also on the beautiful things that come from that and starting to pull out the qualities of what helps people go through that in a way where they come out inspired and focused in life and connected to joy in other people versus not. Mm. That's a really interesting perspective. And I'm so glad you went right into the suffering. (laughs) Well, I'm Jewish. (laughs) I like the deep end as well. (laughs) I'm Jewish after all. So suffering comes naturally. Right. Uh, 
Cultural <laughs> um, crash course. That's right. You know, like Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. You know, so. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think nurses do have to face a lot of suffering. And, you know, I've I've interviewed and spoken with nurses who do pediatric oncology. You know, yeah. they work with dying children. And often I'll say, you know, I could never, ever do that. And I've heard them say, well, everyone says that, but I love what I do, you know. And I'm yeah. like, how do you how do you do it? How do you hold the hand of a dying child, you know, and or anyone who works with those who are suffering and sure there are nurses who work in areas where they're not they're not really exposed to that very much nurses in research or academia but most of us have at least experienced some even if we went into research right after school we witnessed a lot of suffering during school i mean nursing school is a form of suffering but but also the patients same right. with chinese medicine <laughs> yes, but same with chinese yeah medicine. that <laughs> aspect of suffering is really important yeah and I think in terms of the second part of your question, which was really good, is like, where do nurses go to be more spiritually and emotionally connected? And right. And one of the things that I have found is most effective for healers in general, not just nurses, is to really go within our own body or what I would call our own body wisdom and tapping in in really practical ways to integrate our life experience and get grounded through the apparatus that we're walking around with 24 seven. Oh, this, this like 190 pound thing that I'm walking in or. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. This thing that has been with us since before we were born that most of the time we're just dragging around complaining about how it's bothering mm -hmm. us. So I like to say like our body is actually the best friend who's calling us all the time and we keep swiping them to voicemail. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and what people don't really recognize is that if we learn, so if let's say as a working hypothesis, because many spiritually oriented people from many different traditions kind of acknowledge, you know, I think we're kind of like a spirit or a soul or a more non-physical thing that's here in this physical experience. Mm -hmm. And so the apparatus that we have to experience and integrate and grow spiritually and personally is our physical body, which we can see in a physical way through medicine of all different types, alternative and mainstream. But we notice and we even have this in our common like our common language, you know, we talk about heartbreak and we know that we really feel that in a different way. We say, oh, this guy's on my back. I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. But and research sort of supports this, that actually when we talk about the integration of emotions and psychoneuroimmunology and all of these things like Western medicine is catching up and seeing how they integrate. But my particular work and soapbox maybe is that we have a practical tool to learn to speak the language of the body so that it actually makes a difference in the moment dovetailing with that then what is that practical tool or what are some of the practical tools for let's say a nurse listening really hard working works you know three or four 12-hour shifts a week maybe works nights and is exhausted and tired and overwhelmed because she maybe she has let's say an elderly parent who needs a lot of attention and she's got children in school and maybe she's divorced or in the middle of a divorce. So she's got a lot of like static and noise in her life. And 
She's doing yeah. just enough, she feels like, to survive. Like that's, she's in survival mode. Yeah. And maybe she has chronic pain or hypertension mm-hmm. or diabetes. Like she's got a lot going on. So what do we tell that person out there who is obviously suffering and also works really hard mm-hmm. and takes care of a lot of people? So what do we, what do, we do with that person? Yeah, that was a lot. I mean, first I say to her, Mm -hmm. I'm really feeling for you. Like that's, it's a difficult situation in life that many people are in. So the first thing is to recognize, and I would ask those listening to, I'm going to offer a couple of what I call working hypotheses. Okay, go for it. So you don't have to take it as true or untrue, but just test it out. And the first one of these, the mind shift that I would ask people to make is that your body has your best interest at heart. So if we make that mind shift that our body is our, has our best interest at heart, that whatever comes up, the practical step of that is that, because I'm a practical kid, I grew up in East Coast Pittsburgh, I might be, you know, sort of in this woo-woo spiritual guidance, natural healing kind of place, but I also want to get shit done. So if we make a mind shift that we need to uh, understand that our body really does want the best for us, that it's not just trying to drag us down and give us trouble, then what we do practically is whatever comes up from the body, we turn towards it and we say thank you or be interested, even if that is pain or difficulty. And what you'll find when you start to practice this, and it's not easy because we've been conditioned to, you know, turn away from pain. We all know that. We want to go towards things that are pleasurable, right? And tighten and resist. But what you'll find is that the very act of turning towards and softening into and in a way welcoming difficult sensations will immediately start to lessen and soften the, the grip of that in your system. So that would be number one, that your body has your best interest at heart, and therefore whatever comes up physically in your body, just try turning towards it. So your shoulder starts hurting, and instead of going, ah, shoulder, Mm -hmm. turning towards it, be like, gosh, shoulder, thanks for that message. I wonder what's happening there. And then just do a couple deep breaths and notice that you may have automatically tensed towards the body. And just sort of loosen that consciously. A lot about healing and learning how to speak the language of the mind-body system is to override our reactions that we've been continuously conditioned to have. The other thing is that your body, the mind shift, is to understand that your body has a mind of its own. Your body is actually a separate friend with its own consciousness, and we can kind of kind of get this, but this is like taking it to the next level. It's imagining that you had this friend and starting to actually, the practical part of that is to actually talk with your body as if it's a separate friend. So it might sound silly at first, but it's starting to ask your body for its input and opinion on various things mm-hmm. in your life, not just maybe physical things like, hey, body, would you rather have chai or coffee <laughs> this morning? And just kind of feeling mm-hmm. into that. But eventually, the technique that I teach people 
and I have a, a free video training on how to do that I can leave for your listeners, but is to start to get such a contact with what your body is saying to you that you can actually ask sort of life direction questions. For like example, I'll often say I'm invited to like a potluck and I kind of feel like mentally, okay, I don't want to go. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a drive. I don't really know those people. But I will tune in with my body and I'll say, body, how do I feel if I go to this potluck? And I'll either get what I recognize as a sort of yes, positive, opening, more expansive feeling or a more no contractive turning inwards. I totally get that. Yeah, I actually sometimes with coaching clients when they're they're I'm talking with them about like say a nurse who is thinking about taking a new job. Yes. And sometimes I'll say, "Okay, when you go to the interview or go to talk to the the director of nursing, how do you feel when you walk in that building? Like yeah. do you get nauseous right away? <laughs> right. Or does it make you feel do you get really tense or when you're sitting with this team who you might work with? Does it feel, does it flow? Do you feel like you're in the moment? Do things feel open and clear? So I actually, I'm realizing as you speak that I I ask people questions like that. Like, what is that? What are you feeling in your body? And now let's talk about what's what you're thinking. Like, I try to go to the body sometimes first. I don't always do it. Yeah. So for that nurse out there who's really struggling, who we mentioned earlier, that was a fairly extreme example, obviously. Right. But she can learn some of these techniques for kind of going one might say like underneath what she's feeling to get deeper into what's really happening for her like maybe there's stuff from her childhood coming up who knows exactly because one of the things that causes us to suffer the most as humans spiritual traditions understand we make a mistake in mainstream society thinking that is our outer circumstances that create our suffering. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, I think, for anyone on a personal growth or spiritual growth path to make a very clear discernment between suffering and challenges. Outer world situations can create challenges. It's difficult when you're working two jobs. It's difficult when you're a single mom. It's difficult when you have an angry patient or a distressed family that's yelling in your face. Those are challenges for sure. Oh, yeah. But it's your mind-body wiring. It's your held beliefs. It's the way your nervous system is wired and the way that that stimulus comes in and lands in the body that creates the suffering. So if you can change your mind-body connection, if you can integrate more, if you can heal your, whether we call them neurological or psychological or mind-body connections, wounds from the past, you can go through challenges in a peaceful way. Hmm. Well said. Now, based on your experiences and your education and everything that you've done in your life, so you're an acupuncturist, right? So you studied in at one of the best oriental medicine schools in the country, right? Where was that? Yes, OCOM in Portland, the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine, yeah. And you've also become a spiritual guide, you could say, or healer or teacher. So which came first or did they happen at the same hmm. time? Because I'm wondering where, where your outlook, these, what you call your outrageous beliefs about how these <laughs> outer world right. problems are actually inner world problems. And I'm curious, yeah. you know, where did that all come from? How did you become who you are, Leslie? Just That's a great question, Keith. Thank you. 
Well, you know, I think like a lot of us healer types, we've been sort of on the sensitive, curious, seeking side of the spectrum our whole lives. And that's true for Mm -hmm. me as well. I really was always interested. I took my first yoga class when I was in high school. I was a Reiki trained person in college, you know, and so I've been slowly moving towards those things. So Chinese medicine school for me was, um, was a big intro into really formal understanding the, the doctory nature of suffering and working with people. And it's a great toolbox in terms of really, in, there's no separation in Asian medicine from the mental, emotional, spiritual, and the physical. So that was helpful in that I didn't, I, they were integrated for me in that way, as well as my ongoing personal development and spiritual path. So I had already spent time at a yoga ashram in India. I had been really blessed by finding authentic spiritual teachers in a Vedic tradition of spirituality, really true masters who helped me to integrate my personal experience, my growing professional experience. And it's only after much time and much personal growth and much, you know, practice spent inwardly and discussions with my own spiritual advisors to be like, hey, is it okay if I start offering things that are, you know, kind of more spiritual to people and kind of working in that integrated framework um, that I have been more overtly offering those things to people. Because my view of medicine is that healing is inherently spiritual. Like we are human beings asking these questions and the stuff that shows up in our physical body is not separate from our life or soul journey on any level. Thank you for all that. And that, so that's where the learning came. So the, the acupuncture oriental medicine has a subtle spiritual aspect, but there's also the, the physical part, you know, learning all the acupuncture points and the meridians and all this, all these things and the anatomy and physiology. So right. you had to learn all that yeah. kind of sciencey doctory stuff, like the medical stuff, like nurses do. Right. And then you've, you've layered on all this life learning on top of that. And I'm similar. I was a massage therapist and yoga teacher before I was a nurse. So I, I get that. And a lot of nurses, either come into nursing from holistic backgrounds like I did, or they move into it once they've been in nursing, kind of like you've done in acupuncture and oriental medicine. Yeah. So there's, there's those the two different paths people take to get to this place. So, you know, on your website, you say, my specialty is helping fellow healers and empaths take the shortcut to personal success, soul alignment, true confidence, and freedom from anxiety and insecurity. So I think there's probably at least one nurse out there who's like, yeah, I want that. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like that. So when we come back from a quick break, I want to talk a little bit more about this stuff because it's so fascinating and you have a really wonderful way of articulating it. And I also want to talk about what you offer and you have a six day retreat that you offer. Is it in Phoenix or somewhere? The last one was in Boulder. It happens about every other year, but the trainings that I do on going with folks are all over. People fly in and online, so it's available. Wow. So we'll talk about that. And you also have your audio training. So Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that as well. So we'll be right back for the second half of episode 264. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. 
please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And thanks for hanging out here at the Nurse Keith Show. This is the Nurse Keith Show, episode 264. Remember, the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 264. And we're here with Leslie Huddert from Phoenix, Arizona, spiritual healer and teacher and acupuncturist, specialist in oriental slash eastern medicine. So Leslie, before the break, we were talking about suffering. So we could probably do like another several hours about that because there's plenty going on in the world right now. Right. Um, everywhere we look, there's suffering. So we were also talking about this way of layering our experiences, like we have our kind of science, nursey, doctory kind of experiences, you know, the kind of like the mainstream, straight ahead, allopathic healthcare. And then we've got these more subtle ways of looking at things. You like to look at the body through a spiritual lens and look at experience through a spiritual, emotional, psychic lens, right? So I'm definitely more of a mystic than a researcher if I have to really put my cards on the table. <laughs> that's cool. That's great. Yeah, it takes all kinds, right? Um, but I also see that you've been doing, quote unquote, research on how to meld these things together in your practice. So first, I want to talk about you bring people together every year or two for a retreat. And it's a six-day spiritual boot camp, if I remember correctly, right? So tell us what happens and how you came to offer this kind of this kind of experience for people, and what do they walk away with? Yeah, well, it's actually that the spiritual boot camp is a newer thing that's come about from my main training. To maybe put it into context, is what I normally do in an ongoing way with folks is what I call a subtle body certification which is a 12-week hybrid program where they do learning and live coaching with me and then come for an in-person. And so what that level of training does is really help 
especially like you read from the website, healers and empaths, people who know a lot, like you know that you're a healer, you know a lot in your mind, you even help other people with healing, but yet you still have some maybe blind spots or parts in your own life that you're not able to really kind of get it together. For healers and empaths, that's usually like, oh, I got a little bit of stuff in relationship. Oh, I kind of got this family baggage or something, or things look good on paper, but I just feel like something isn't right. That's usually a subtle body problem. So in helping people through that, that's what people normally come to me for of like, I really want to be grounded in my confidence and understand my purpose. And I know all these things, but I want to feel my self mastery in working in the world. And from there, it evolved this um, people also wanting to take that to deeper spiritual levels. So that's where practical spirituality boot camp evolved from, because there's a lot of folks who maybe feel very spiritual, but not religious. Maybe they don't quite fit in with any particular tradition. They're, you know, kind of interested in Eastern things, but they don't want to just sit on a meditation cushion forever. Or, you know, they're turned off by some of the cultural things like gongs or chanting or, you know, Asian or Tibetan sort of culture, things like that. So Practical Spirituality Boot Camp is a particular offering that happens once a year, once every other year. Um, and a lot of those folks are subtle body certification graduates that want to go deeper to really walk away standing on your own spiritual foundation. What really makes sense for you with those questions of who am I? Where did I come from? What's happening here in this existence? And how do I fit into that? I love that. And on your website, on the page for the Practical Spirituality Bootcamp, it says where woo-woo meets practical. So I like that because <laughs> that's, you know, there are nurses out there who aren't open to these sorts of things. And that's that's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody has to find their way, right? And then I, I do know for a fact that there are many, many thousands of nurses out there who are open to these sorts of things. You know, there's a huge holistic nurse community around the world, and the American Holistic Nurse Association is, is they've got it going on. They've got a lot happening. Yes. I love the HNA, and I'm actually speaking at their conference in Albuquerque next summer. Well, you and I will meet there. Oh, great. Yeah. I'll know one person already. Yeah. Wonderful. I was going to say you should really come, and now I know you're speaking. So yes, my applications were rejected, but I'm glad <laughs> yours were accepted. <laughs> My topic is called subtle body mechanics. Ooh, of course they wanted you to do yeah. that. That's great. Okay. So, wow, we're going to meet sometime this year. That's wonderful. Um, and for those of you who don't know about it, just go to the American Holistic Nurse Association website. You can read about the conference in Albuquerque and you'll get to meet me because I'll be there every day. So around this work that you do. If someone isn't able to do a six-day retreat, it's just not possible for them. Yeah. And it does sound awesome. And I've known you've done it at the Shambhala Center and other places. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm sure you do them at beautiful places. For someone who would like to do this kind of work, but mm -hmm. really needs to do it from home, yeah, is there something they can do with you? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, my main offering, actually, I realized just that thing. So over the 10 years of 
clinical practice and like you said, kind of integrating and formulating my own modality of this body wisdom, subtle body work, I realized that there's a lot of healers out there who are also moms and, you know, can't show up to multiple weekends or do a whole six days or take off work. And so the Body Wisdom Academy, which is my subtle body certification training, is a is a main offering. So that happens with work that people can do in their own pace. They do coaching and live one-on-one work with me via Zoom weekly for 12 weeks. And then they come in over a long weekend for a Thursday evening, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday kind of a, a retreat. And that is a real transformative Uh, experience for people that they can also integrate into their daily life. So that practical side of my woo-woo side is like, wow, what do healers and professionals really need to understand the mind-body connection in a way that makes a difference? I had a recent graduate who's a past counselor and a yoga therapist and Ayurvedic practitioner. And she said afterwards, she said, I thought that I was taking care of myself. And then I started doing this work at the Body Wisdom Academy and I realized I wasn't taking care of myself. So it's like getting to those deeper levels of freedom, of feeling confident, of really connecting with your inner voice. Mm, Okay. So there are different ways people can work with you. And I'm sure there's a lot of this work people can do on their own. You know, um, a lot of nurses are really good students and Mm -hmm. they love to study and read and watch videos and listen to podcasts. So there's plenty of this work all of us could do on our own if we wanted to, but sometimes we can't. Like yes. people people come to me to help with a resume or figuring out what to do next in their career because they could figure it out, but sometimes having someone dispassionate or objective at your side can be really helpful. Absolutely. And I will also put out a challenge as well that there is a certain aspect of healing and I have learned this myself. So this is why I feel so passionate is that there is an aspect of our healing that does only happen in relationship. This is why I work with groups. I was in probably five or six years ago, I met one of my deep uh, mentors, Mukara Meredith, who's out of Boulder, Colorado. And she had come to Portland where I was and I went to this uh, workshop because another acupuncturist had told me about it. And at that point, I was already helping people. I was an acupuncturist, but I had a lot of what I would call like sneaky anxiety. Like if you would have asked me, are you anxious? I'd be like, no, I just (laughs) worry about stuff a lot. You know, there were certain aspects of myself that I wasn't aware of. And I went to this group workshop and I was someone who was like, I don't do groups. No, that's okay. I'll just learn over here, read a book or do a thing. And I left that four day workshop really transformed. It blew the shutters off of some places that I realized were real hideout places that I had been skillfully working around, like my relationship with men and trauma around relationship of being vulnerable with other people was not a capacity that I had at that point in my life. And it was only in a very safe space facilitated by someone else and being really seen deeply by other people that really shook that and amplified the healing of it. Wow. Okay. So, so you're sharing from your own perspective, how you went on a similar type of journey that you take people on. Yes. And it's kind of what blew you open. Right. Yeah. And I've had some experiences like that. And I think there there's someone out there listening right now who needs that experience. And if we shift gears just a little tiny bit, 
Speaking of nurses and people working with the suffering of others, and, you know, of course we need ways to protect ourselves when we're exposed to the suffering of others, and secondary trauma is a real thing in medicine and nursing and healthcare, and what you do as well, we can take on a lot of stuff, Mm. and for those people out there who aren't even nurses, but they're they're first responders, you know, who go to the site of a mass shooting, right? Mm, yeah. Or anything like that. I mean, or a flight nurse who's on a helicopter and rescuing people from the top of mountains or, you know, whatever. There's there's some intensity out there. Mm. Or people in ERs, you know, you witness people at their very most vulnerable and, and, and at their most anxious, fearful times. Mm. So have you found some strategies for when you're faced with someone who's deep in their suffering, like say someone comes to you for acupuncture Mm -hmm. and they're in incredible pain, like maybe they had a car accident, right? And they have some really intense chronic stuff going on. Mm -hmm. What, What are the things you can do aside from pain, you know, trying to ameliorate their physical pain. Right. How else do you approach those people? Because I'm sure there's a nurse out there who really wants something more that she or he can do with those people. Right. Well, the, the first thing, and maybe this is like a side answer to your question is I'd really love to give people three actionable levels of things to do when you're with those people. Because I think it's about like maintaining the, how do you come back to your center? How do you avoid getting sucked into the suffering then in a way that compounds it for everybody and doesn't help the person. Right. So I think the first way to help other people is like the oxygen mask on the plane. We mm-hmm. acknowledge that we need to put our oxygen mask on first and come back to our center before we're helpful to anyone else. And to make the mind shift that over identifying with someone else's suffering does not help them and brings you down. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the that's step zero. And then let's talk about one physical, one energetic, and one spiritual thing that you can do to be more in service of people in suffering. So the physical thing is to actually in your physical frame to really like notice your own um, physicality in the space compared with the person. So when I'm sitting with someone doing an intake and I'm hearing their story and maybe I really over identify with them. I'm making sure that I'm not like leaning forward too much. So I'm not like getting into their kind of bubble of sorts. And to also physically, the place where our nervous system seem to pick up subtle energy of other people the most is around the solar plexus. Hmm. So if you're sitting with someone who's really having in deep distress, and especially if you feel like you've got Velcro for that, as I would say, you know, something's going on with them that resonates with you. So it's affecting you deeply Uh is to actually just place your hand over top of your solar plexus, which is where your ribs come together. That in itself sort of brings you back into your own space so you can have more mental clarity. And there's an exercise, which I often teach people, which is easy to find on the internet because it's, it's mainstream, like Qigong is called the microcosmic orbit. And it's a it's essentially a visualization where you trace the line uh, up the back meridian, almost synonymous with the spine, as if a little ball of light is going up the spine to the top of the head and then coming down the front of the body. So those are we've sort of transitioned physically, solar plexus, energetically, 
is that microcosmic orbit. Like keep your awareness while you're present with someone else. Also be aware of what's happening in your body. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of why we do so much mind body work ahead of time is to like, what are you feeling in your body? Can you see the space? Can you visualize and connect with what's happening within you? Because that allows you to be more present and available to other people. Also, I would say after someone leaves, after you've just dealt with a trauma situation, after work, whatever it is, use water as a way to, obviously I'm washing my hands after each patient for you know hygiene and cleanliness purposes, but I'm also making an intention. We're mm -hmm. putting the physical and the energetic together that I'm leaving energy, I give back any energy that I've taken on and I call back any of my energy that I've given away. And I will put water all the way up my arms, a little bit over my belly and a little bit over my back. Hmm. Start doing people who feel like they feel drained after a day of work or after patients, especially the belly and the back. You will notice a huge relief and feeling more energized during your day. That's interesting. Okay. That's good to know. And the last thing that is the spiritual component is to, you know, really have and work to develop a clear sense of what you think is really going on here in a big level. This is part of what we do do at that at the spiritual boot camp is we really iron out in a clear way what do I think is going on here? Who do I think is in charge? Why do bad things happen? What's the grand scheme of things? Because having that spiritual connection for you whatever it is is the thing that becomes an anchor that allows you to be in center, in joy, in love even in the face of pain, because you have an internal spiritual alignment with what you think is the true reality. Great. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's really helpful. I think that's a, that's a very practical way of looking at this. Cause you gave <laughs> us, you gave us sort of a subtle exercise. You gave us a physical exercise and, and sort of like looking at it from the emotional perspective as well. So you could say mind, body, spirit or whatever, but you know, that can sound like a cliche, but that's kind of where you're coming from. Right. Right. I love how you said that because that's one of my, the thing that gets me is like, everybody talks about the mind, body, spirit connection, but I'm like, what's the practical shit that you're doing to make that a reality in your life? Mm -hmm. That's what we need to become more masterful, joyful people. That's right. That's right. And boy, I mean, nurses are really up against it a lot. So they may work, let's say, on a busy med surge unit where there aren't any set nurse patient ratios. And here's this nurse running around, like, you know, just going nuts trying to do even just the basic things because she has seven patients or eight patients and she can't give anybody the attention that they need or want. And she can't give herself the attention that she needs or wants. She probably doesn't get a meal. Some nurses, say they can't even have water on the on the in the nurses station so they get dehydrated and a lot of nurses actually really do complain about getting UTIs because they don't drink and they don't use the bathroom for 12 hours so they end up with UTIs so there's all sorts of things there's the physical manifestations of that level of stress and hard work and then there's the emotional and spiritual the more subtle psychological things that happen to people too and we see a lot of attrition from the profession because you may not be aware of this I'm not sure but bullying is a big issue in nursing mm -hmm. like nurses bullying one another yeah I had the the 
the pleasure and challenge of working with several nurses on the same unit. Really? And I learned about this other woman who was their manager, who just was the terror of all of these women. Mm-hmm. Live. You know, I did so much acupuncture due to the effects of this woman that they all worked with as their manager because of the difficulty of interpersonal relationships in nursing. Now, wait a second. Did you, were you hired to come into a, a unit in a hospital? <laughs> No, I wish I, I wish I would. I wish you were too. (laughs) That would be great. I was like, we really need to do a little work and help this person to who's causing everybody else to suffer. But it just so happened that through referrals, I ended up treating all of like three or four nurses that all worked on the same unit together. Oh, I see. I see. Wow. So you got an insight into nurses lives because people came to you and then you helped one person. So the next came to you. Right. Right. Yeah. So if only that manager knew what she was causing, the ripples effect, the ripple effect of her behavior. Maybe she did know and she relished it. Who knows? Um, We could get into the psychology of bullying and (laughs) incivility, but that's for another conversation. So, you know, as we kind of begin to wrap up, um, though, I could talk to you for hours and we're going to have to sit and have dinner in Albuquerque. (laughs) I know. It's so fun, Keith. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you transition out of doing full clinical practice into doing a lot of this other stuff and not doing acupuncture and oriental medicine full time? Like, what was that transition like and why did you choose to do that? I had been asking the question for 10 plus years, am I a medical person who knows a lot about spiritual stuff or am I a spiritual guide who knows a lot about medicine? And the answer that finally landed was, I am meant to do spiritual work with people and I happen to have a lot of medical knowledge. Okay. And so it was more of that following the inner voice of what is what is mine to do in this life? What's the thing that is being asked of me and where is my, you know, in a in an inner spiritual way, that's how I would frame it in a in a more logistical way. It was like, what's my genius zone? There's a lot of great acupuncturists out there. There's a lot of people that are great at muscle testing. Yes, I was really good at people helping people get better from their headaches and their digestive complaints. But I didn't see as many people connecting and really teaching people how to fish in terms of healing their trauma in ways that are faster than just talking about it in therapy for 20 years over and over again. I see. Okay. So you felt that there was more you could accomplish by doing that than simply, not just or simply, but by doing the direct physical care. It wasn't quite enough for you. Yeah, it just was, it was time to do it in a different way. I just felt that inner, inner push to take a leap. Yeah. And I think that's a really good lesson for some nurse out there who's listening, who's like, you know, I think I've had enough of this healing people physically. I've had enough of like being on my feet 12 hours a day and running around and not being able to give the attention that I want to give to each person. So I have seen a lot of nurses and boy, they're coming out of the woodwork right now, going into coaching and Mm -hmm. healing or teaching yoga. There's, there's the yoga nurse certification through my friend Annette Tresini. Um, there's actually this whole army of yoga nurses trained Love it. in the way to integrate nursing and yogic thought and yogic teachings. So 
there is a huge movement within nursing, and you're aware of that because you're speaking at the AHNA conference this year. And there's this desire among, I think, a large percentage of nurses who want something more. And sometimes that means quitting nursing, leaving the profession and opening a bookstore, becoming a barista, or it means starting some entrepreneurial venture and maybe working part-time as a nurse and doing a, having a side hustle as a healer, or sometimes feeling like, you know, my nursing training is awesome and it informs everything I do and the way I think, but I think I want to become a doctor of oriental medicine, or I want to become a chiropractor, or I want to become a psychologist or, or therapist. So there's lots of directions to go. And I think your lesson about you were really listening to what you felt you wanted, right? And it wasn't, I get from you that it's not about rescuing other people. No. It's, it's about fulfilling this. It seems like you have a very clear mission, right? I would say so. I mean, I, yeah. I really am on a mission for people to on the surface feel empowered and on the deeper mm -hmm. levels really know themselves in like the version of reality kind of know yourself of who and what you really are that to me yeah. is the healing path that's beautiful and that's a great place to end though i don't want to but people can find you at lesliehutter.com and that's l-e S-L-I-E, Huddert is H-U-D-D-A-R-T, LeslieHuddert.com. You're also on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn. We'll have all those links in the show notes. Those will be at NurseKeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 264. We'll have links to your retreat. We'll have links to all the stuff that you do. And maybe we can even add in some other stuff that we talked about today. And... You had mentioned before we, we got on the line, you mentioned the other day that perhaps a couple people who are listening could partake in your audio course. Is that right? Yes, I have uh, an audio course, which is an intro to my brand of deeper somatic energetic body wisdom work. It's called 30 okay. Days to a More Grounded You. Ooh. And it's 30 individual audios that walk folks through a three-step process of really practically connecting with your body in those really technical mind-body practical ways. Okay. And is this something people usually go to your website to, to buy, to purchase? Uh -huh. Yeah, but I'm yeah. happy to give away two copies to your listeners, however you would like to orchestrate that. Okay. So for anyone listening... Let's say this needs to happen by, let's say, April Fool's Day 2020. So by April 1st, 2020, this isn't a trick. This is real. <laughs> right. No April Fool's joke. <laughs> yeah. Shoot me an email at Keith at NurseKeith.com. Put Leslie in the subject line and just tell me a couple things you took away from this podcast and maybe one thing you would like to do differently in your life or your career based on what you've heard Leslie say today. And if there's more than two, I will have George the cat pick them out of a hat and um, <laughs> we will choose two winners. So that's by April 1st, 2020. So thank you, Leslie. Thanks so much. Well, you're quite welcome. You are awesome. And we'll have you back at some point and we'll go even deeper than we did today because there's a lot more to talk about. I so look forward to it, Keith. Thank you. 
Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to episode 264 of the Nurse Keith Show. And remember, those show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 264. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And I encourage you to take inspired action every day, perhaps something that Leslie recommended today in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction and happiness. And if you need some personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your nursing career, you don't have to look further than nursekeith.com. And please, speaking of nursekeith.com, head over to the website, go to the resources drop down menu. You will find jobs from reload.com, Trusted Health, ZipRecruiter. You'll find free and, and very affordable resume templates, and you'll find OpenMD, a free search engine for evidence-based medicine, and a lot more. So head over to nursekeith.com for those resources. The Nurse Keith Show is expertly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. I'm grateful to both Rob and Mark for keeping the wheels turning in the right direction. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Leslie Huddert bidding you adieu from Phoenix, Arizona. Beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you, Leslie, so much. And I'm sure some folks will be in touch with you and you are amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Such a joy to be with you here.